listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. rights in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Good morning, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, July 18th, 2020, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow. Sunday, July 19th, 2020, on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today, we are focusing on the upcoming Huntsville municipal elections. We sent an email to all five candidates running in contested races, and three will be coming on the program today. Uh, first, we'll be talking to mayoral candidate Andy Wallison, and after that, we'll be talking to, to two candidates for Huntsville City Council District 5, Tom Hope and John Meredith. All this and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate your time today. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. If you miss part of the show and you want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments throughout the week. Uh, and you can listen to us now wherever you get your podcasts. You can see a full list of the outlets that we upload the podcast to at thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. If you appreciate our work and want to help us keep uh, stay on the air, then consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Um, so really quickly, before we get into the interview, there's been some just incredibly disturbing uh, revelations that I feel are important to bring up um, because we're not going to have uh, uh, right now because we're not going to have another opportunity throughout the program. We got a really full show today, uh, so I just I, I wanted to address it really quickly. Um, in Portland, Oregon, unidentifiable federal police, no names, no badge numbers, in unmarked rental vans have been kidnapping protesters off the street street just nabbing them not telling them why they're being detained not giving them their names not giving them badge numbers or anything like that they are blinding them when they get into the van they're uh, like if they've got a hoodie or something they're 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 pulling the hood over their head so they can't see um 
this is this is terrifying. So first, why were they unidentifiable? And this is rich. CBP Customs and Border Patrol said that this was because of recent doxing incidents. And 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 by the way, CBP Customs and Border Patrol said this. What in the world is Customs and Border Patrol doing kidnapping American citizens in the interior? And if you're not doing anything illegal, what are you worrying about doxing for? Seriously. You know, and, the cops, the cop, the and, entire point of the cops is to serve and protect. Yeah, and here, get this. High-ranking military officials in the Middle East have their names on their uniforms. Like, they're literally in a war, and they have their names on their uniforms, but these people that want to play police in American streets and terrorize American citizens don't have the, the gumption, the cojones, to have their names on their uniforms. Disgraceful. One demonstrator, Mark Pettibone, who was abducted and not giving any documentation of the arrest, uh, DHS said that they did not arrest him. So these detentions are not apparently defined as arrests. So if they're not arresting him, why are they kidnapping him, blindfolding him, taking him to a federal courthouse, detaining him for hours and interviewing him against his will? Like, what what in the world is going on? Why are they there? DHS, Department of Department of Homeland Security, is justifying their presence in Portland because of vandalism and graffiti. Think about that. The head of the Department of Homeland Security is now in Portland with a bunch of his goons rounding up protesters and demonstrators because they have incidents of vandalism and graffiti. Are we not led to believe that there are more important things for the Department of Homeland Security to be doing aren't there isn't there like terrorism or isn't aren't we fighting wars aren't isn't there like sex trafficking going on and they're investigating graffiti people that are worried about their civil liberties and their constitutional rights by being forced yeah. to wear masks should really be concerned about the precedents that we are setting picking up people off the streets because mm-hmm. they may think right now our man is in office, so we don't mind what he's doing, but I'm telling you, yeah. when the next guy gets in office, yeah, it may not be quite as friendly. Yeah. These precedents that are being set are sickening. It's, an or- it's, it's Orwellian. I mean, seriously, the the term is, is, is bludgeoned to death, but this is real. And not only are they in Portland, but the DHS undersecretary, Ken Cuccinelli, has said that they are not only proud of the work that they're doing in Portland, but they're planning to extrapolate the program nationally wide so brilliant here's a question why was the why why are these people being kidnapped again no details are being given no cause for the detentions are being relayed and they justify the detentions by the broad atmosphere not because of probable cause of the individual in question here's another question should we give these officers the benefit the the benefit of the doubt no authority has to justify itself and if you find yourself constantly tripping over your feet to justify police repression and authoritarian tactics then maybe you aren't the freedom-loving American that you think you are. Yeah. And here's here's another question. Why do I bring this up? 
because I care about free speech. This is a cornerstone of the democratic unionist tradition. And if you don't know about the history of free speech in this country, then you should look it up because it was unionists, it was workers who fought in the streets for freedom of speech in this country. The founding fathers did not give this country the freedom of speech. They wrote the words down, but for centuries after those words were written on that paper, the check bounced for so many Americans in this country. There were all sorts of laws and practices employed by the government to restrict freedom of speech for workers, laws against demonstrations, protests, certain speeches could land you in jail. Free speech was expanded by unionists in the early 20th century, and I stand firmly and proudly in that tradition today. We should not have goons in fatigues kidnapping people off the streets, not telling them why they're being detained, with no way to identify or follow up afterwards for purpose of disciplinary action or anything like that. This is America, and if you profess to care about free speech, about freedom, about liberty, then you should be concerned about this, and not some centrist or conservative writer on Twitter being really sad that people said mean words to them. This is the real free speech threat in America. What's happening in Portland is the real free speech threat in America. And all of the thought leaders who have made a career out of being free speech warriors should be jumping up and down at this outrageous violation of our rights that's happening in American streets and not in some South American military dictatorship. And of course, if you respect the opinion of somebody who professes to care about free speech and they aren't talking about this, if you haven't heard about this, then you just need to know that when those goons come for you, they will only speak out for you if it is a politically expedient for them. And if the government actually comes for you, it won't be. It's unfortunate. And and what what I guess the, the good thing that's come out of this so far is they're coming in, in unmarked vehicles. They're not identifying themselves. They're lucky they haven't gotten shot yet. Yeah. Because if somebody Seriously, pulls this up, this is the reason for the I'm Second Amendment. Down the street, right? and somebody pulls up next to me in an unmarked car, yeah. and three or four guys jump out in plain clothes, and no I'm kidding. and I'm concealed carrying. They're not. They're in fatigues. But the only thing that says is how many people have yeah, fatigues. Right. How many people have fatigues? I right. mean, people this wear fatigues the all the time. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably going to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as, the as, entire reason for the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. and I'm a, a tremendous Second Amendment supporter. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Just wanted to get that out of the way so that we're clear on where we stand. On to the interview. We've got on the line with us today Andy Wallison. Andy is an 8 to 5 worker, an activist, 32 years old, and now he is running for mayor of the city of Huntsville. Thanks for coming on the line today, brother. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, uh, Jacob and David. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. Hi, well, my name is Andy Wallison again. Um, I am currently uh, working in customer service at a lab. Um, and about six months ago, I put a team together to decide to run for mayor of Huntsville. Um, I've been either an activist or some form of community organizer since I was about uh, 18, so that's about 14 years. Uh, Everything, you know, along the lines of environmentalism to union activism to, um, 
you name it, um, women's reproductive rights, I've been there. Uh, it's just been uh, something that's driven me and something that's been a part of me my whole adult life. And I'm really happy to be able to put it out there for the people to see. So, can you tell us? Uh, uh, that's a little bit about yourself. Why are you? Um, why are you running for uh, uh, for mayor of Huntsville? We've got about a minute and a half left in this segment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you give you the rest of this time to lay out broadly your platform, and then we'll go into more specifics on the other side. Well, I saw over the last two years all of these different uh, progressive campaigns making a difference and. Um, showing people that there's a different way, there's, um, there's alternatives to the status quo, and that's essentially what drove me to put together um, a campaign, and it just grew from there. So we are a progressive campaign. Um, I don't just want to be an alternative to the current. I want to be here to show people what we can do, uh, what the government can do for them on a municipal level, and how they should be proud of where they live and should be proud of the people that they vote for. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. I, I um, and I, I appreciate you running. You know, there's a lot like Tommy Battle is definitely an entrenched incumbent. Uh, lots of folks were were uh, you know scared to run against him. It, it, it takes uh, it takes a lot to be willing to put yourself out there against uh, against such tall odds against such an entrenched incumbent. So we appreciate uh, your bravery and your courage in doing that. We're going to get into more of the specifics about your cam- uh, about your platform on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. This This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617. 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the machinist unions over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree job in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, 
If you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. WVNN Just like the father of my father Tom stole his mind And I can't forget that One-fourth of his blood is mine I try not to worry Good morning and welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. This is Jacob Morrison here with your co-host David Story. On the line we have Andy Wallison. He is running for mayor of Huntsville. Um, so Andy, uh, give us just a, a little bit. What are, what are some of your um, key, that, you know, just take like 30 seconds or something. What, what are some of the key planks in, in, in your platform? So the Key points that we talk about when we're opening up about the campaign is the first one is uh, police reform and how the how law enforcement interacts with the community. Second one is workers' rights uh, in the city, and then the third one is what we call uh, y'all means all, and it's about uh, expanding uh, city budget and its resources to everybody in the community, not just the affluent neighborhoods and uh, the wealthy corporations. Gotcha. Thank you. So, um, everybody knows this is a union talk show. We are, um, we're, you know, proud to be unionists, and so that's kind of, workers' rights uh, is kind of the center of our, of, of where we are. We want to make sure that folks support workers, and so, um, at the VW organizing drive a few years back, uh, Volkswagen up in Tennessee, we saw not only the boss, but local, state, and federal politicians harassing workers to try to stop them from forming a union a few years ago. Um, can workers count on your support in unionization efforts um, in picket li- on picket lines, during strikes, uh, during uh, campaigns for uh, fairness and dignity on the job, things like that? Absolutely. I've been uh, pro-labor, pro-union, um, again, since basically I started organizing. And as city mayor, um, not only would I never cross the picket line myself, but I would support any city workers that wanted to organize and even encourage it. I think that uh, it's really important that you have leadership that, that supports workers. Uh, making a better life not only for themselves but the community. You know, it's all connected. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, in your uh, in, in your little snippet about your platform, you mentioned um, police reform, and I think our listeners know that there's a local citizens coalition for criminal justice reform, and they've got uh, ten pieces of of um, 
10 demands that they've got for police reform. Do you support uh, their list of 10? And specifically, do you support a Democratic police review board that has the power to fire and discipline officers? Absolutely. And uh, we have officially and publicly endorsed those 10 okay. uh, Not only that, but that oversight committee has been something that the community in general has been asking for a while. So when we put that campaign together, that was already one of our main points, was a police oversight committee. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so more on more on police um, police reform, would you support um, reallocating some portion of HPD's budget to social services? You know, there's been a lot of talk about um, do police, like, do they need to be responding to every call? Like, if somebody's having a mental health breakdown, should the police really be responding to that? And uh, so where do you fall on that? And, and um, uh do you think some of their budget should be like reallocated towards you know if if police aren't going to be responding to mental health calls then presumably that part of the budget should go towards mental health workers right is that something that you support it is uh i definitely support reallocating resources i also support um so one of the things that the mayor can actually do is the mayor can appoint the police chief and the first thing that I would do in office would be to vet a new police chief that's open for change. That's somebody that would be open for us to be working with social workers on calls that police are not trained to do. And to be quite honest, they shouldn't have to do that. That puts them in harm's way. That puts them at risk for misconduct. Um, this, doesn't, this is not a direct attack on those workers in the police force. This is trying to support them and make sure that they're not getting put in situations that would harm themselves. And I think that most of them on the ground would agree that they would appreciate if they had social workers to be out there in these situations that they didn't need to be in. And I right. think a police chief that's out, that somebody's out there with a, a likewise mindset who's just ready for something like this, and I'm sure they'd be happy to have leadership involved that push for it. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you know, th this this demand to like m move some work towards social workers. This is often framed as kind of a a, a left wing anti cop demand. But I've seen lots of police chiefs actually um, uh, bemoaning the fact that it, all of society's problems are thrown onto the police, and um, you know. You know, the saying, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, <laughs> police are deadly force. Police are the are literally the violent arm of the state. And so, uh, you know, if you, <laughs> if you throw all your problems on the police, that's what you're going to get, is you're going to get more violence. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's a particularly, like, anti-cop uh, anti thing, thing to be for. Um, I know lots of folks in the International Association of Theatrical and Stagehand Employees, Local 900. Um, these are folks that they do the events, setting up at the VBC for any big gig that happens. They're trained, they're safer, they're more efficient than non-union folks that would do that same work. Um, and a lot of the bigger artists that come here, they demand that union labor be uh, done to, to set up the... Um, set up everything and so they always do the work and yet the city won't negotiate with them as a union they've had to form a corporation as a subsidiary of the union in order for the city to do any business with them which which um 
they estimate is, is uh, increases their costs by 10%, uh, but the city is fine with doing this so long as they don't have to bargain with the union. I mean, it's just out and out anti-union, anti-worker stuff. They repeat it, The city repeatedly ignores safety concerns. They say they don't have to follow OSHA requirements. They say they won't argue with, bargain with IETSI as a union because then they'll have to deal with the firefighters and teachers unions and stuff. Um, so they com- they continue to co- uh, treat their employees with contempt and pay them low wages and, and force them to work in unsafe conditions. Um, if elected, would you stop the practice of ignoring workers elected in collective voice on the job and bargain with IETC and the teachers union and the firefighters union openly, fairly, and with dignity and respect for these workers? Absolutely. And uh, it is the practice of the current administration not to sit at the tables of the workers. The current administration is completely pro-business, and you'll see it not just there, but you had just mentioned the teachers' union um, is extremely anti-union. It will not meet with not even just the teachers' union, but even the teachers' uh, board of education or the education board. So uh, that would be a practice that needs to be prioritized. We need to sit at the table with whatever, you know, mediator and proper city officials. Right. And we need to start talking to them and their needs to make this uh, make this city more efficient, like you said, yeah. safer, and, faster, Andy, and better for the workers. We're, we're ro- rolling, running out of time. Where can folks find you? You can find us at andyforthepeople.com. That is a numeric for andyforthepeople.com. You can also find us at andyforthepeople on Facebook. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got more interviews with city municipal candidates. Uh, Stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. Huntsville's number one news, talk and weather station. WVNN-FM. WVNN-FM Trinity. A cumulus station. It's 10 o'clock. Special report, civil rights icon dies. I'm Christopher Cruz. Democratic Congressman John Lewis of Georgia has passed away. He spoke at an event in Selma, Alabama, commemorating the anniversary of the 1965 Bloody Sunday March, when white police officers attacked black marchers on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. We cannot give up now. No, no. We cannot give in. No. We must keep the faith. Keep our eyes on the prize. We must go out and vote like we never, ever voted before. Lewis was knocked to the ground on that day, beaten by state troopers. They broke his skull. He often cited religious faith as a reason for his activism. He often worried aloud that some people didn't understand the importance of religion to the civil rights movement. John Lewis had represented Atlanta in the U.S. House since 1986. He died yesterday of pancreatic cancer. He was 80. I'm Christopher Cruz. More than 3.6 million people in the U.S. have now been infected with the coronavirus, and more than 139,000 have died. Correspondent Polo Sandoval says the nation's top infectious disease expert is worried. For those worrying about another COVID wave in the fall, Dr. Anthony Fauci says we're not even done with round one. When you're having, you know, up to 70,000 new infections in certain areas of the country, that's something you need to focus on right now as opposed to looking ahead at what's going to happen in September or in October. 
Fauci also calling on local leaders to be as, quote, forceful as possible in getting people to wear masks. Some of the nation's largest retailers are now requiring customers to cover up. Presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden says he's begun receiving classified intelligence briefings. He spoke during an online fundraiser yesterday. He wasn't specific and he provided no evidence. I'm Christopher Cruz. Picture this, a shortage of fuel has closed your electric utility, or any other possible disaster devastated your town. You're out of power, no lights, no news. That's why federal and state agencies urge you to have an emergency radio. Now you can get a free Dynamo World Band emergency radio. This powerful radio lets you stay informed during any type of emergency. It doesn't even need batteries. It comes with a hand crank generator and super bright LED flashlight. The Dynamo emergency radio includes the NOAA weather band, a long range AM receiver, a high sensitivity FM band, and even a USB jack to charge cell phones or other devices. The Dynamo Emergency Weather Band Radio retails for almost $30, but Newsmax wants to make sure you get this radio. So check out the free offer for the emergency radio by going to gettheradio.com. That's gettheradio.com. Or call toll-free 877-NEWSMAX. That's 877-NEWSMAX. This radio could save your life. This offer may end soon, so order today. Ours are the first generations to feel the effects of climate change and the last to be able to do anything about it. The window to meet this historic challenge is closing. We're already losing our lives and livelihoods. Millions have already been impacted by climate change. We can passively accept this fate or we can join together and take back our power. If we so choose, our best days are ahead. We have a legacy of coming together to face crises that threaten the very ideals of our nation, from the horrors of slavery to the depths of the Great Depression, from the spread of fascism during World War II to the rise of Jim Crow. We have overcome before and we have the power to do it again. Let's end the climate crisis by igniting a transformational new era where the government works for the common good. Go to arminarmforclimate.org. That's arm in arm the number four climate.org to learn more. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org.
Welcome back. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. Here with my co-host, David Story. In studio, we have uh, Tom Hope. Tom is running for City Council District 5. He is a chef. And um, city council races are nonpartisan, but... Tom has uh, he's pretty clearly aligned himself with the Libertarian Party. I think you're part of the you are officially part of the Madison County Party, right? Are you? Yeah, on? I'm officially part of the Madison County Party, and I'm actually an elected at-large representative for the state uh, of Alabama Libertarian Party as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you just want to talk into the mic a little bit more. Sure. Um, but uh, well, thank you for coming into the show. I appreciate it. Um, so can you t- uh, tell us, you know, just like Andy, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what, you know, where do you come from? What, what you know, what do you do? Uh, j- just talk, uh, you know, what's your bio? Yeah, so first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father now in my life. Um, but going back, I grew up in Warner Robins, Georgia, which is an Air Force town. Um, so I got a similar background to what Huntsville is with understanding that the economy is largely based on the uh, federal government bringing a lot of jobs, which create a lot of opportunities for the surrounding area. Um, from there, I was an Eagle Scout. I was very involved in sports and church. I wrestled, I played football, and I played baseball. Um, and I even worked summer jobs. I started working when I was 15 at Sonic, um, playing in the kitchen and eventually I became a chef by trade. I uh, toured the French Culinary Institute of New York, um, got an opportunity working at Goodwill and decided I would rather make money than pay money to learn and uh, ended up going to Auburn University where I studied accounting, got to work with some really talented chefs and whatnot there, ended up getting me a job at my favorite brewery with Back 40 up in Gadsden after that, Uh, met my wife, moved up to Huntsville and uh, now I'm a successful food and beverage director. We even won culinary runner-up for the city of Madison last year. Yeah. Um, largely being a concession stand, uh, I was very proud of that achievement. Yeah. And um, now I've reached a point, I've got my son, and I don't want to look him in the eyes in 10, 15 years and explain that things are just the way they are because that's how people are. I want to get involved and, yeah. and actually try to see some change. A lot of times we say that we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. Uh, I don't think I want to say that applies to our race here in the city council situation, but I do want to bring some radically different ideologies and approaches to government um, that haven't been tried and I think can really allow Huntsville to be the star of Alabama and set the seeds to, you know, so change and, and let Alabama stop being the laughing stock of the country and the world as far as politics go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you told, um, my next question was, why are you running? But you laid that out, um, you know, pretty well. So just the next thing is just kind of lay out your platform. Give us the broad strokes about what what you hope to do. Like if, you know, if you get in city council, you know, obviously you're not going to have a magic wand and be able to do everything that you want to do. But like, let's say you get on uh, city council and you have a magic wand. What, what does city of Huntsville with Tom Hope as city councilor from District 5 look like? So it's going to be a lot different. Um, a lot of people are asking me, what are you going to do for me if you get elected to city council? Well, I'm not trying to do anything for you except for leave you alone. Um, I believe that the government has a very restricted responsibility, and that's to protect life, liberty, and property. Outside of that scope, I don't think government has a very relevant um, role in our lives. I think everything else should be left to volunteerism and groups to freely assemble as they choose and invest their resources as they choose from there. Um, studies show that dollars spent in the private industry are twice as effective as dollars spent by the government. So when we try to create programs to um, create outcomes, uh, they tend to have negative consequences. So things I'm going to work to is, um, like with police reform, I'm very impressed with a 
program called Cahoots that's used out in Eugene, Oregon. It sounds like they can reduce costs by up to about 80% on those line items that involved um, you know, nonviolent calls and, and things like that related to mental health with social workers, which is, again, a private organization that they contract out with, so that reduces the city line there. Um, I want to roll back and ignore... Uh, I want to remove the bad laws that we can on the books and ignore the ones that we can't. So, for example, I've called out to Tommy Battle twice in public now to simply ignore the $25,000 fine to remove the statue. That just goes to support paying for other statues. Uh, I think it's a bad law that got passed in 2017, and I don't think the taxpayers should be punished for that here locally. Um, additionally, I want to push for the decriminalization of marijuana. Um, talking to police, not just here but everywhere, it's already 90% decriminalized and it just comes down to the choice of the arresting officer if they want to charge you with it or not. And they're typically doing that to, to push for something else. A negative consequence that could come from that, talking to a retired local police officer, was that there will just be some other kind of quota that they push. And I don't want that kind of environment at all. I want to allow the police officers that largely got into the profession to do well to get back to that job of protecting and serving and not revenue generation. I don't think anyone really got into the police force to become a, a, a revenuer. Um, yeah, that's pretty frowned upon going back to biblical days. <laughs> so, yeah, right. you know, I can't imagine anyone just saying, oh, that's what I want to do for my life. You know, right. Even IRS agents, I don't think that's what they're in it for. Right. Um, and then, you know, we've got a lot of uh, confusing things in District 5. It completely encircles the city of Madison. Um, there's parts of District 5 that are closer to us here in Athens than we are to actually the police precinct um, that covers it. And um, there's just some conversations that need to be had as we grow as a community on how we can more efficiently use those resources and lower the tax burden on the people. Right. You, you mentioned su uh, stuff about police reform, and, and I think that's, you know, I, I think that's something where um, like the left and the libertarian right at least can can definitely come together and push for I think that's important to find those areas where we can uh, how do you feel about um, disarming police like gener generally speaking obviously I think I think there's going to be a time and a place for um, officers with guns or something but I feel like it is I, I don't think that beat cops should be running around with lethal ammunition. I don't think that makes sense. Um, I think it and most other countries don't have that either. Um, where Where are you at on that? Um, so I'd be interested to hear and learn more of the other countries that are successful without them running around with lethal ammunition. I think it's necessary given the scope of the environment that we're in today, uh, especially with the failed war on drugs. Uh, the, the cops are just put into a bad, bad situation a lot of times, and I think it would be uh, disgraceful for us to send them into these situations unprepared. Now, do I think that every police department in the country needs to be rolling around with a tank? Absolutely not, but I do think there's an appropriate role for the SWAT teams and whatnot if we do have a hostage situation in a building, and you know, we absolutely do need to prepare for the worst. Um, you know, Going back to my Boy Scout days of being an Eagle Scout, be prepared. Uh, there should be a plan there, but it shouldn't be so intense that it overrides reason. And we saw that happen June 1st and 3rd. Uh, the police were way prepared, and uh, they enacted way prematurely, and I think that they were going completely on you know, their beliefs and the, the vision that they had, but it was a very perverted viewpoint compared to what was happening on the ground, and it led to some very bad consequences that uh, I think if they go back and do it again, they'd probably change you know, their actions because 
they haven't been able to seemingly defend it very well in public opinion. They're trying. <laughs> They're sure trying, but uh, I think if given the chance to do it again, they would they'd walk it all back. The police get into the uh, this this mindset, and you see it all the time. I'm free. I've got very good friends that are police. Uh, but they get in this warrior mode mindset where I got to make it home every night. And mm-hmm. that carries through even in the most mildest of situations like like what happened then. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's more training. I don't think more training is going to help. I think, you know, de-escalation for certain. But it's just uh, – it, it's, it seems pre- prevalent in that community that uh, – a lot of them may be ex-military in, in many cases, and they're used to battling, and it carries through in this in the police department as well. Yeah, well, and you mentioned that the response to the uh, June 1st and June 3rd protest. I had, a, I had a friend that was hit by some of those rubber bullets. He had his leg ripped open. Um, his, his leg was the one that went all over social media. It just blew up because there's just this big gaping hole in his leg. He still can't walk right um, from that, and he was not uh, – he did not – any kind of violence at all it's uh, disgraceful the way that the way that the police force here acted in my opinion well, um, some accountability would go a long way yeah you know absolutely if i yeah. shoot somebody in the leg uh, you know and i'm not protecting myself as a as a, as a civilian walking the streets i'm mm-hmm. not protecting myself then I'm held accountable for it, both civilly mm-hmm. and criminally. Yeah, and unfortunately, speaking of not. yeah, speaking of accountability, do you support the uh, Citizens Coalition for Criminal Justice Reform's ten pieces uh, uh, or ten demands for criminal justice reform, um, and specifically a Democratic Police Review Board that has the power to fire and discipline officers? I support the bulk of it. I'm hesitant on the total power of the board to have the ability to fire and. Uh, police officers um you said democratic so that changes it a little bit um it's the responsibility for city council to be held accountable because they can be voted out of office and, and i think that's the important part is to be able to to vote out people that and, and not give complete power to a, a group of people i want them to have a say absolutely um but the complete power throws me off just a little bit and i want to learn a little bit more about that Okay, we'll talk a little bit more on the other side. We've got Tom Hope. He's running for Huntsville City Council District 5. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys... Ours are the first generations to feel the effects of climate change and the last to be able to do anything about it. The window to meet this historic challenge is closing. We're already losing our lives and livelihoods. Millions have already been impacted by climate change. We can passively accept this fate or we can join together and take back our power. If we so choose, our best days are ahead. We have a legacy of coming together to face threaten the very ideals of our nation, from the horrors of slavery to the depths of the Great Depression, from the spread of fascism during World War II to the rise of Jim Crow, we have overcome before and we have the power to do it again. Let's end the climate crisis by igniting a transformational new era where the government works for the common good. Go to arminarmforclimate.org, that's arm in arm, the number four, climate. Dot .org to learn more.
The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. If you're looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roof to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256 383 3334 that's 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at net. and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. Where Alabama talks. WVNN. Depend on it. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. In the studio, we have we have uh, Tom Hope. He is running for Huntsville City Council District Five. He is a libertarian, and uh, we're talking to him about um, about his platform. So we were we were talking about the police review board, and you were you seemed kind of hesitant about um, about that, and and I did. Um, just want to kind of make the case. So currently we have a citizens advisory council that is like, they have no power to do anything at all. And it's like almost half appointed by the cops. And, um, the other half is appointed by the city council and by the, um, and by the mayor. And so the, um, the argument for that city, the city council that is elected or, or the, the, um, police review committee that is elected is that that isolates that issue and people are able to vote on this review board on that issue whereas when you're voting for mayor when you're voting for city council you've got all these other issues and so maybe you have somebody that's like a total bootlicker or something right that's a city councilor and maybe you vote for them because the other person was a lunatic or something right and and they put somebody on the um, police review board that's just really really like he, he will never discipline police ever 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 whereas you can vote vote like this is the only thing that this police review board will do and you can vote on that knowing that's their literally their only job um do you like with kind of that more explanation and and then giving them obviously the power to uh, to, to fire and discipline officers do you think that that seems like a reasonable thing yeah absolutely so now that i understand that it is an elected position rather than yeah. appointed i'm a lot more open yeah. to it because th that's the key thing is that 
you know, these are all people that are essentially contracted by us, the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't answer to the city. We don't answer to the, 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 the boards or anything. They should answer to us because we're the ones that pay their salaries through our tax dollars. Um, you know, going back, I know there was a lot of diversity included in that police re- um, review board that was discussed with the Citizens Coalition uh, Justice Reform Act. And I think, if anything, it should be expanded to other ethnicities and whatnot that mm-hmm. might not have been included in that. We are a multi-ethnic society that has a lot of different viewpoints, and there's a lot of different cultural aspects that need to be understood, especially from our policing standpoint. Um, and, and so, yeah, I do think that's a positive thing, and I would propose that those elections be, you know, hopefully annually, no less, there are no more more than biannually just so that we can keep it fresh and keep that pressure mm-hmm. on yeah and we don't have a situation of someone getting into that position and abusing that power um, and letting that continue right and i've been seeing some folks call in um we're just we're not going to have time to get to calls today i'm really sorry if you've got a, a like a burning question tweet us at labor reporters or maybe comment on the facebook feed and we might see it and we might can ask it we, we just don't have time to to take calls today so i'm, I'm sorry about that uh next week going to be taking a lot of calls but um david did you were you about to say something i was just going to say with this you know i i'm more i would more prefer an autonomous society and and the fact that uh, uh, no disrespect to any of the city council, the mayor, or the chief of police, but they all have uh, agendas that they want to push. And a lot of the agenda is back the blue type stuff. And I feel like the police are servants of the people, even though they are hired by the chief of police or the mayor, what have you. And when you bring in this elected uh council is what i would prefer to call it of made up of all the districts and that's their only job is the oversight of the police to me it brings more uh, a more of an autonomous society to where it does kind of like what you were saying earlier where it allows the police to ignore these ignorant laws that's been on the books like spitting on the sidewalk in the alabama constitution mm-hmm. and the people in these areas can say look we live in this area. We don't care about this being enforced. Quit enforcing it. You know, and so to me, it just creates. It, it gives the opportunity for the actual people of the city, not a representative form in the council or the mayor, a say in who and and how they're policed. Mm-hmm. And we've seen across the state these sheriffs that are saying I'm not enforcing this mask mandate who have for years been saying, "Oh, well, I just I just enforce the law. I can't decriminalize marijuana in my district. I just enforce the law. I'm a neutral whatever for the state government." And uh, you know, everyone everyone who was reasonable knew that they were lying. But anyway, uh, so Huntsville (laughs) and a lot of city governments, Huntsville, the state, the federal government, has been handing out taxpayer subsidies to big businesses left and right. Um, So here, as a libertarian, I don't know, you may just like throw it out and say like, I don't want to do any of that. But um, the next time a business comes to the council with their handout Um, if you're on the council are you going to demand things in return for um, for a contract with the city like say a mandatory minimum wage like a pledge to be neutral and not hire union busting law firms in the case of a union unionization effort like are you going to attach strings or are you just going to be like whatever I don't care what you do with your workers lowest bid lowest bidder gets the gets the thing 
No, so the benefits that get extended to these companies are essentially tax cuts. And, you know, taxation is stuffed, in my opinion, completely. So I favor that, but I don't favor the bias that gets applied to specific companies. If I were to have an option, we would roll back those restrictions on all companies within those sectors. Um, as far as applying towards, you know, labor unions and whatnot, I absolutely support the free ability for people to assemble and demand that their work be recognized. I don't support any kind of minimum wage labor laws or anything like that because I think that we should have the freedom to choose how we do business as individuals. Right. That's why that, uh, That's why I called this out specifically. I mentioned in, I wasn't talking about ordinances like we can't do that, uh, the city can't do that because the state has outlawed it, but I'm talking about if a business comes with their handout to the city council, say, ask, asking for a tax cut or, uh, or a subsidy or some kind of grant or something, I'm saying, do you think there should be strings attached to that like a minimum wage within this company? Like, in order to get our taxpayer dollars... I think a business should have some minimum standard of respect for their employees, safety standards, wage standards, benefit standards, stuff like that. I'm asking, do you think that in exchange for taxpayer dollars? I'm not asking about ordinances or anything like that. Yeah, so I'm not going to support the exchange of taxpayer dollars at all, um, for the most part. Uh, I can't imagine a situation where I would support that. Um, I think that the free market's a beautiful thing, and because of it, resources get allocated however they can be best used. Um, if you know these are big businesses that we're giving these opportunities to these aren't mom and pop shops mm -hmm. and we have too many regulations on the books today that prevent mom and pop shops from opening up so i'm a huge music lover um that amphitheater is going in real close to my house it's gonna be great for my entertainment value and my property value but i'm completely against the idea that the city's involved in it um you know they spent a sixty thousand dollar line item a couple of weeks ago to test some concrete for a parking garage you know i sold ads when i was back in auburn to a private firm that was building a parking garage i, I think that's where these dollars need to be uh, spent is through the private sector. I don't think that the public sector needs to be paying um, and competing against the small mom and, and pop shops. So when that amphitheater comes up, they're going to try to fill it at least 300 nights a year. And so now our local you know, restaurants, breweries, entertainment places like that are not only going to have to compete for entertainment on those nights, but they're also going to have to compete for customers. And, and that's an unfair advantage um, you know, for the city, essentially. So you're, just to be clear, you're saying that in any time a business comes looking for a tax subsidy, you are going to say no tax breaks, no tax cuts, unless it can be extended to every kind of company that, that you are. Is that Absolutely. right? Okay. Um, so speaking of like the, the freedom to assemble and, and bargain collectively and stuff, I mentioned this with Andy and, and I want to talk about this, um, well, hmm, we've only got <laughs> only got one minute left. Rain on your parade. Okay. Sorry about that, Jay. No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Well, this one's a shorter one. So, um, at, at Volkswagen up in Chattanooga, um, w w there was a unionization effort. There was a union campaign. I'm not sure if you were following that, but um, during this campaign, we saw the bosses, we saw local, state, and federal politicians harassing VW workers to try to stop them from forming a union a few years ago, um, telling folks, or, or, or like um, threatening retaliation, threatening that they were going to leave. Can workers count on you to support unionization efforts, uh, picket lines, strikes, stuff like that, and at least not harass them when they're trying to 
to fight for their rights. At yeah, work. absolutely, 100%. As long as there's not uh, force involved, either through the union or from the government trying to impose on that union, by all means, assemble, strike. Um, you know, we own ourselves. Uh, the government doesn't own us. We, even if they take out a loan when we get a Social Security number when we're born, uh, at the end of the day, we're the ones that own ourselves, and we have the freedom to choose. So as long as there's not force being applied anywhere, do as you do. Yeah, I mean that's nice to hear mm-hmm. because it's very rare to hear conservatives not come out and attack people, especially yeah. workers. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, constant. No Tom, where can folks find you? So uh, my fa- or my website is Hope for Huntsville. That's H O P F P is in Paul, F is in Frank. The number four Huntsville dot com. And on Facebook, you can find me at Tom Hope for Huntsville. Uh, that's my page. Tom, thanks for coming in the studio and talking to us. I really appreciate it. Uh, Stay safe out there. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story. This is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. News starts now. Special report, civil rights icon dies. I'm Christopher Cruz. Georgia Congressman John Lewis has passed. Lewis was part of hundreds of protesters who began a march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, demanding an end to discrimination of voter registration. They got to the Edmund Pettus Bridge, where they were stopped and beaten by law enforcement in what came to be called Bloody Sunday. After the 2017 mass shootings in Orlando and Las Vegas, Lewis spoke on the House floor about congressional inaction on gun control laws. There comes a time when you have to sense something, when you have to make a little noise. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell called John Lewis an American hero. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says he was the conscience of the Congress. Pat Piper, Washington. President Trump this morning ordered the American flag to be flown at half-staff in Lewis's memory, but only for today. Lewis had been fighting pancreatic cancer since late last year. He was 80. I'm Christopher Cruz. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855 617 933 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The Valley Labor Report is also supported supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. 
The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Local. State. National. It's the Jeff Poor Show. Weekdays 2 to 5 p.m. Only on WVNN. Depend on it. WVNN. Depend on it. Good morning, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host, David Story. In the studio now, we have another candidate for Huntsville City Council District 5, a familiar voice to the WVNN audience, I believe, uh, John Meredith. John, thanks for coming in the studio. I appreciate it. It is absolutely my pleasure, and I venture to say this is a largely different audience <laughs> than the one. You'd be surprised. I have we pick uh, up a lot of the conservative listeners on, on our show as well. Well, there's nothing wrong with that um i was that kind of conservative yeah um i well i was that kind i'll leave it at that (laughs) yeah Yeah, so thank uh thanks for your time today i uh i appreciate you coming in um so i'm gonna have to step on your line here and say well i appreciate what you uh have been doing particularly with the move the monument thing um and um your inspiring words at the at the last uh, uh, we'll call it a protest were yeah. very inspiring. So um, thank you for your interest and participation in not just the mining but racial reconciliation altogether. I appreciate it. Yeah, David, I don't, I don't David, I, I don't, I don't know that David knows, but I, I went and I spoke at a. I was asked to speak for the TVPA at um, one of the monument protests. Oh, and, cool, so that, cool. And yeah, I, yeah, you I did a great job. Yep, yep. <laughs> he you. is. He does a great job. He also helped organize the uh, Labor Council uh, protest with the Labor for Black Lives a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, bringing all the labor unions in the North Alabama in. So he's doing great work all over. Yeah, unfortunately, I heard about that one late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I did hear about it. You yeah, know, yeah. A, a lot of folks heard about that one late. Like, I hmm. went to the um, that Juneteenth thing at Campus 805. Right. To try I, to, I was there, too. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess you. You, you saw me there. I was trying to kind of um, sell my wares there too, try to get folks, try to get folks to come to the thing. And everyone was like, "Oh, well, I didn't know." And I'm like, "What do you mean you didn't know? Yeah, we what are you talking all. about? I've been, I've been doing, I've been doing the work for this for weeks, man." But I don't know. I guess I'm not advertising in the right places. I don't know. But anyway, um, so for the folks that you know, uh, the the native audience to WVNN, they're they're probably pretty familiar with with you. But but we, I mean, we do have a we do have like a, a reasonable sized online audience we've we've attracted some folks like like we've interviewed my national union president we've inter- interviewed folks uh, from david's international union um 
and and we do we pick up some folks in Huntsville that WVNN wouldn't um, <laughs> wouldn't normally reach. Yeah. So just tell us tell us who who's John Meredith. What's what's your deal? Well, I'm going to answer that uh, in campaign mode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a loving husband. I am uh, demanding and in terms of what of what I want from my government, and, and, and I'm impatient about it. As uh, we all should be. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, which then leads into kind of, well, why are you running? Um, I'm running because, much like Tom, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a disgruntled, um, mm-hmm. if not disenfranchised, constituent. Um, I have reached out to uh, uh, Mr. Culver on many occasions, um, as a constituent, mm-hmm. and none of those uh, uh, outreaches were returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to admit, um, maybe some of your listeners know or don't know, but I did run against Will last cycle. Mm. Um, now, as a candidate, he was responsive. Um, even when he beat me and I reached out to him after that, he was responsive and, and we met. But then that quickly tailed off. into being just a normal constituent again. And um, I live out west. I live off Zert Road um, in in one of those Breland neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, our our quality of life just doesn't compare to what... um, the east side of the arsenal Huntsville has. There's no green space where I live. There's no walking trails. There's no bike trails. There's no recreational um, 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 ball fields. Mm -hmm. There's no library. Um, There's hardly any retail stores. Um, So even when I spend money, most of my retail purchases go to the city of Madison because Mm. that's where the stores are. Right. You know, I would have to drive past all of their stores to get to my city of Huntsville stores that are the same branded stores. Yep. So I can't even support my own city with the dollars that I spend because you don't have anything in my neighborhood. Yep. In my neighborhood, within the last year, uh, a Publix opened up, which was a huge difference uh, for us. Then there's a Subway, a Big Shake, and, and a Mapco. I mean, mm. that's it for thousands of people. You know, we... It's in a neighborhood. I mean, there are neighborhoods all around it. Where's our Home Depot? Where's our hardware store? Mm-hmm. We need all those things, but the city, you know, Overlooks they're, they're, that, right. just completely overlook it. There are two roads that lead into my neighborhood. Zert Road and a lot of others. Officer, Zert Road and um, um, County Line. When Zert Road floods, with all that construction that's been going on apparently since 2007 on Zert Road... Um, when it floods, when there's an issue on Zert, I have to go miles out of my way. It's not like I go two blocks over, hang a left, and I'm home. I got to go miles out of my way, 10, 15 minutes out of my way just to circle back to get home. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You know, folks in the north don't have that issue. Right. Now, they've got a different set of issues. Um, universally, it is that feeling of being disempowered, feeling that our representative won't listen to us when we turn our call, won't echo our voice to city council. And that's what my campaign's all about. Transparency, accessibility, uh, and frankly, responsibility, accountability. Um, you go to a Will Culver town hall, 
He takes credit for everything that, that's <laughs> good that's happening. Yeah. And every time there's a problem, well, let me defer that to this department head. Let All me right. defer that to this department head. No, a town hall is when that elected member stands on his own two feet before his constituent and takes accountability and responsibility for everything, the good and the bad. You're going to get that with me. Um, again, accessibility. I'm going to be at City Hall three days a week all day. If I don't return your phone call or email, which I certainly plan on doing, you don't have to go hunting for me. I'm going to be at City Hall three days a week. One day a week, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. You don't even have to go downtown to catch up with me. There will be monthly town halls in neighborhoods so that folks don't have to travel. Um, the other thing I bring to the table that I think... Um, uh, I don't know Tom well enough, so I don't know his personal relationships, but I can speak on what I know of, of the incumbents. And that is I have far better relationships with all the surrounding municipalities and, 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 and governmental entities that affect the 5th District and none of the others. Hmm. What I mean by that is we have City of Huntsville and Limestone County. Okay. They have to get on buses their school kids and they're bused over to providence it takes an hour hour and a half each wow, way wow, wow, they're passing wow. schools along the way how is that done how is that possible how can right. you allow that to happen how is it even it, cost effective it, it, it's not um and and now with social distancing in the buses well yeah. school's a different issue we'll get to that different mm -hmm. but you know um their issue is they can pay tuition to limestone county yeah and their kids can walk to school mm. so we're losing these people their residential water is not supplied by huntsville utilities they're in madison uh, sorry they're in Le limestone county by Constitution, Limestone County Water Authority has to deliver their water. Their water is wow. a lot more expensive. Mm. 911 calls. If you're in the north, you got a harvest address. If you're in the south, you got a Madison address. You call 911, you're routed to the wrong place automatically. Hmm. Wow. So when their homes catch on fire, Limestone County shows up. Hmm, you're a city of Huntsville. Can't help you. What? They call over to Jeff Road. Jeff Road comes out. Well, yep. your house is burning that whole time. Yep. You know, wow. so their issues are different than the issues in the north where you got bad roads. You've got uh, 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 stores that need rehabbing, if not leveling and new ones put up. Um, you have issues of, of, of Internet access. Of course, you have that in some parts of Limestone County, uh, city of Huntsville, too. But no one is getting their voices heard. And one thing I want to do is echo those constituents. I want them to know someone cares down in City Hall for you now. Someone's looking out for you now. When, when, when good things happen in North Huntsville, they wind up in District 1. They don't mm. wind up in our district. Now, I know that's convenient for them because there's bus service out there. They can catch a shuttle and get there. Mm -hmm. Well, if you live off Zert Road, where's your bus service? Yeah. Right. Well, doesn't exist. Exactly. I was so mad when I heard they reduced the shuttle fares and didn't take that money and extend the service out to the west. You're bragging about Polaris. You're bragging about Remington. You're bragging about Boeing. And no public transportation to get to those good paying jobs. Yep. Right. Where, where is that? Sorry, I, no, I'm no. rambling on. No, no, this is, no, this is all important. Yeah, this is it's all really important. It's all really good stuff. And a lot of this stuff, man, it sounds like just common sense. How yes. is like it doesn't even like that's not even like political stuff. I mean, this is just good governance kind of stuff. Amen. I mean, it's, 
Yeah. It's the pursuit of happiness. It's the quality right. of life issues. The but, one thing that the government should be doing yeah. yes. is, is providing services to everybody that's, that they right. represent, not just a certain portion. Amen. So this this is a question, and this is a question I hadn't asked any of the other folks, and just we just haven't had had enough time. But but this is relevant because it's like ties directly into what you've been talking about. Um, it it sounds like a lot of what you're concerned about is kind of quality of life issues, and that's like really really important stuff. But um, we do know that a lot of times when these quality of life issues start being remedied, when they're when the quality of life starts increasing, what else starts increasing? <laughs> Taxes. <laughs> well, rent is what I, rent oh, is what I was thinking. Oh. Home values go up, and so if somebody doesn't own, and we've seen this in cities across the country, mm-hmm. uh, we see gentrification mm-hmm. and people being priced out of their homes. Mm-hmm. I watched this documentary about a folk, uh, a, a fellow who uh, lived in some downtown area that was like rejuvenated or whatever. He lived in this place. He had a karate dojo in this place, and he had a convenience store in this place. And the owner of the building sold the building and um, kicked him out in a month. And so, like, how do we ensure that people who have lived on Zert Road or wherever else in your district, um, once these good things start happening, how do how how are you planning to ensure that they get to stay there and in in, in and enjoy the fruits of, of your um, of your work for the council and not be kicked out? Boy, that's a really good question, and I honestly don't know where to begin. Um, the only true solution to that that I'm aware of is rent control. Um, I, I, I've never really thought about that in terms of Huntsville, so I'd, I'd have to, to look into that, but um, I hesitate a lot to tell a, uh, a, a business owner, or in this case a landlord, what he can charge for, for his product, especially when the market says has willing people to pay it and right now people are willing to pay pretty high rents right now in the city of Huntsville right and I don't think the issue I don't think the issue of rent is so bad right now in your district but where I live it's definitely like I am really scared when my lease is up (laughs) I I, I get you and I'd have to look into that no one's thought about no one's raised that with me before so Mm -hmm. I and and my knowledge is on yeah, on rent control, so I, I know that structure, but I see that as one very hard sell in this community. Right. Um, other than that, I, I mean, I'm certainly open to hear suggestions that anyone would have, but I don't, I don't have a, a, a end to can solution for that one. I'm, yeah, I'm well, sorry. I mean, a lot yeah. of the larger cities yeah. deal with that same thing. You know, mm-hmm. you hear it uh, in in New York and Atlanta and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is that's really. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. alone, is what I'm saying, and. Uh, the solutions for that because there is not a lot of solutions but you the one thing that you don't want to do is like Jacob said is price people out of their homes where mm-hmm. it may be multi-generational families that's lived yeah in that I mean community. I know of people that have been priced out of the 35801 area code um, like I know people that this has happened to in Huntsville like mm. generally speaking this is like a bigger city problem but I know people that this has happened to in Huntsville and um, and you know it's definitely something that we want to think about as we're thinking about ways to make our community better we want to make sure that that our our community enjoys the betterment of our community. Amen. And I would support. And folk- the, no, we're, we're going to a break uh, right now. Okay. Uh, we will uh, ca- catch up with John Meredith on the other side. Stay tuned.
You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617. 9333 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Valley Labor Report to support our work and keep us on the air. People across Alabama are hurting. Elected leaders have bailed out corporations while sending only a one-time cash payment to working families despite record unemployment and a public health crisis. Hometown Action is fighting for working people across Alabama to build inclusive and sustainable small town and rural communities. Hometown Action demands that Congress pass a people's bailout that expands health care, sends cash payments to families, and invests in green jobs to restart the economy. Now is the time to act. Learn more at www.hometownaction.org. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 Eight seven six four eight eight zero. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time, but the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maple, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855 or visit online at www.mtandj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Tennessee Valley, this is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison in studio with my co-host David Story. Um, Also in studio with us, we have John Meredith. He is running for Huntsville City Council District 5. We've been talking about him, about his platform and stuff like that. Um, And so this is a question that I didn't get the... the um, chance to ask 
Tom, but I, I did talk to Andy about this, and I think that this is an, an important one, and that is the way that the city interacts with its um, city employees and not city employees that are that are unionized. And specifically, I have I, I know lots of brothers in the International Association of Theatrical and Stagehand Employees, Local 900. They're the folks that do most of the event setups at the VBC for the um, Huntsville Symphony Orchestra, stuff like that. They're trained, they're safer, and they're much more efficient than non-union folks that do the same work. And a lot of the bigger artists and the, and the symphonies, they demand union labor. for They, they want unions to do the work. But and they do the work, but the city won't negotiate with them as a union. What they've had to do is form a corporation as a subsidiary of the union in order to for the city to do any business with them. And um, they estimate that that increases their costs by like 10%. Um, it, but the city's fine with doing that so long as they don't have to bargain with the union. Like they're going out of their way so that they don't have to publicly say that we're using union labor, which is mind-boggling to me. Like if you're using union labor, I would want that on the front page of everything that I'm doing because like you like you because people getting the product know that people are being compensated fairly they generally like unions do better work generally like you know sorry <laughs> you work for a non-union contractor but it's just true they generally do better work yeah, they're, and they're more trained they're, they're more they're trained. Well trained and um and, and they have a better quality of life. Yes, and but the the city also repeatedly ignores safety concerns with IETSI. Uh, they tell the workers that the city doesn't have to abide by OSHA requirements, and I'm not so sure that's true. Um, so they um, and, and they also say that they don't want to bargain with IETSI as a union because then they'll have to bargain with the firefighters and the teachers unions. And it's like, yeah, you should bargain with the <laughs> you should bargain with your employees and so what they're they're continuing to treat their employees with contempt paying them lower wages forcing them to work in unsafe working conditions i mean i've got i've got an email from the vice president of the stagehands union and it's and i was shocked at the conditions that they're making these folks work in and the fact that they're not returning any of their emails any of their calls about any of these things and they and they said specifically like oh well if if we don't know it's happening we have plausible deniability basically and that's why we're not returning any of your any of your calls and so if elected would you stop the practice of ignoring these workers elected and collective voice on a job and bargain with them openly fairly and and with dignity and respect i don't know if that's my call um i would certainly uh support that and i would vote for being able to uh the city to uh, negotiate with unions. Um, I don't necessarily see a problem with that. And if it's going to save us ten percent off the top, you know, um, I'm all for yeah. being fiscally responsible. Um, but I come, you know, the the state's a right to work state, which is one heck of a nom uh, uh, nomenclature mistake. Uh, it's more like a free fire state mm -hmm. uh, more yeah. than anything else. Um, my mother was a public school teacher. She was a member of the teachers union. She eventually worked up into not necessarily leadership but you know the, the small office stuff of of the union i understand and know the value of unions i grew up with people whose fathers died and my friends uh, that i played with were didn't lose their homes because right. the union sent a check every month yep um so i see the value of it and when my mother passed um at a pretty young age um i got a check in my name um, and so I understand the value of unions. I know what they do. As a lobbyist, um, everything I did outside of the appropriation uh, process, which didn't require bipartisanship, um, was a bipartisan bill. 
Um, I worked a lot of immigration stuff. Uh, I was on the National Council of Ag Employers, but we reached out to the farm workers, the Farm Worker mm. Justice Union. Yeah. We came up with a solution. That's important. And we, as a unified industry, took it to Congress. Did the same thing on the service sector side. Uh, reached out to SEIU. So I may not get on the front line and say, you need to unionize, you need to unionize, but I have looked out for workers. Sure. And I have crafted bills that, that always gave the workers something. Sure. You know. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that necessarily, and especially not for city. It's actually illegal for employers to encourage. Yeah. Like you yeah, can't it's against as federal a federal law. It's against federal yes. law as a boss. Of course, now city employees, um, they're not under federal labor law. So it's but but generally speaking, like no one's asking for the boss to go and and like agitate for the union. But uh, I do a think neutral that neutral stance. Well, yeah, and that's the big. That's all you can ask for. Right. As a neutral stance. Say, Let the mm-hmm. employees choose for themselves what they think is beneficial. Neutral to a point. Neutral to let folks make up their own darn minds yeah, of what right. they want to do. And if they decide that that's what they want to do as their representative, mm-hmm. I'm going to support that. Right. Yeah. Now, in the, in, in the city, now, if, if there's a private employer, um, I think that, the, I think that the, the dynamics change a little bit. And like, like we saw up at, uh, the Volkswagen up in, um, up in Tennessee, we saw the bosses, Chattanooga, mm-hmm. we saw bosses, local, state, and federal politicians absolutely haranguing these workers. No, not just harassing them, but also threatening, threatening them to yeah. withhold subsidies for plan expansion Seriously. if they unionize, which is an absolute detriment to every, not just the mm-hmm. union workers, it's a detriment to the community right. that they propose to represent. Mm-hmm. So I, can, can I, I workers- would not be associated with that. I would not stand or interfere or harangue anyone's uh, uh, opinion or, or thought process on that uh, at all. Um, frankly, I won't cross a picket line. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah. we, we've only got a few more minutes and, and sure. or a couple more, one more minute. And so um, police reform, that's <laughs> on everybody's yes, mind. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, Citizens Coalition for Criminal Justice Reform, they've got 10 pieces uh, for police reform that they've got out. Mm-hmm. Where are you on that? Like, just uh, walk us out with that. Uh, a big shout out to Angela Curry. Love her work. Uh, love her and her family. I uh, think they're great. Um, and this, she, what she's done and put together in such a short amount of time is amazing. Wonderful um, lady. Yes. I support um the platform. I did have uh, the 10 points. I did have uh, concerns. I believe it was with number seven and one of the ones below that. Um, One of them was about the citizens with uh, the ability to hire and fire police. I think that that's a tough pill to swallow. And frankly, I'm sure that flies in the face of the police uh, unions uh, con- uh, negotiation. I'm sure they have covered that citizens can't do that. And if it is something that has been negotiated, then I'm not going to I'm not going to fool with that. Uh, we'll, we'll have to get them to change it in, in, in the next uh, or, or take that out in the next negotiation. But I'm not going to press them for that. But but I think it's a, a wonderful platform and I do mm-hmm. support it. Okay. Uh, great. John, where can folks find you? Um, I'm on Facebook at John Meredith for Huntsville City Council. Uh, I can be reached by email at comments, uh, the number four, Meredith at yahoo.com. John, thanks for coming into the studio. You have been listening to the Valley Labor Report. Uh, you should follow us on social media and all that, and um, we